You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison. At Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Wednesday edition of Locked On Pelicans. No games just yet, but we are inching closer to seeing Zion Williamson back on the court. That'll be on Friday. But before we get to all of that stuff, I want to talk a little bit more about your New Orleans Pelicans, about Zion in particular. How does he need to improve for the final stretch of the season under 30 games to go? It's not even like a third of the season remaining. So the All-Star game is not the halfway point. Um, But where does he need to improve? What do we want to see from him? What's maybe realistic to expect from him going forward? Before we do that too, we'll talk about uh, drama, maybe. I don't know how to do it. This this topic's kind of weird, but we do need to cover it on here, and that has to do with the Pelican season tickets and some of the prices, and I'll give you my thoughts on what's going on with all that. If you're on Twitter, you probably have heard about that a little bit. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right, it is renewal season here in New Orleans. Yes, if you are a season ticket holder, you are getting things in the mail about renewing your season tickets. I'm personally a season ticket holder and have been, I think coming up will be my 10th year, which coincides with my 10th year covering this team. Um, They go hand in hand a little bit. And I've had the same season tickets over in 309 for the entirety of the time. And and, uh, I used to have four, now I have two. A buddy of mine picked up the other two, so we've controlled the same four seats for about a decade. So this is a normal time of year and usually you get that early bird deadline and all that and you all know all about that if you have season tickets but there has been some drama around some of the increases that seats are seeing and I'm not going to come out like strong either way on this either pro or against this because like frankly this is such a personal thing for everyone involved it's impossible for me to say tickets were cheap tickets are not cheap that that's like in your own individual decision and that's all that really should be said about it I will come out strong on some things I'm seeing from other season ticket holders towards some of the people that are impacted. So look, I, I'm in 309. My tickets are going up like 74%. They're going from 350 a ticket to 610 a ticket. So my total commitment goes from $700 to $1220 next season. It's it's a jump. And again, that is a significant amount of money. And for some people, it's it's even more significant. For some, maybe it isn't a significant amount of money. Again, it's all individual for you. But other sections aren't seeing that same sort of increase. A lot of the uh, lower bowls are seeing theirs go up between 5 and 10%. That's about it. Some are maybe in more of the middle range. But by and large, to be honest, it's not the majority of the arena that is seeing 50 plus percent increases. So when it comes to this, it seems to be that it's targeted at some of these tickets that have just been kind of underpriced for an extremely long time. 
make cheap season tickets and hope you get some people in the door. And eventually you had to figure, especially with Zion Williamson here, that that would get corrected and they would start to inch up. And they are inching up. And then because these tickets are so underpriced, you're seeing the Pelicans almost market correct them, which is a phrase I kind of hate to use with this. But that's what's happening. They're getting them kind of priced more in line with the rest of the league. And whether that's fair or not, again, is a personal thing. I'm not going to say either way. From the Pelicans' perspective, I get it. They're doing that. It also means that maybe, uh, you know what? No, I don't, I don't think the resale stuff is actually a valid thing. Um, people are saying that maybe if the tickets are priced more, that people won't resell them because they, they're having to pay more, so they'll make sure they go. It's a sunk cost fallacy. You're out the money either way. Whether you go or don't go has more to do with your enjoyment and what you've got going on um, in your personal life. So maybe these are just too big of an increase, and maybe they should have phased it in over time, but it was going to get to this point eventually, whether they went up you know, 30% one year, then 30% the next year, you're going to hit this point anyway. Um, and so it's maybe a bit of a way like ripping the Band-Aid off. So overall, like I don't have a strong opinion on this either way. And I know people that are outraged over the tickets increasing are probably upset that I don't. And I'm sorry, like it just kind of is what it is, unfortunately. You know, and I get as a business why they're doing it, and I get it why people are outraged. And I'm not upset that people are outraged. I understand why people are outraged. Uh, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be. And frankly, if you want to be, go ahead. It's totally okay. Like I said, when it comes to money and all of this stuff, it's all an individual thing. And I am not here to tell you what's expensive and what isn't because I am not in your personal situation when it comes to this. It just kind of, these are the facts. And you have to make decisions based around that yourself. One thing I don't like seeing though, and this is where maybe I'll come in a little bit strong, is I've seen people kind who are season ticket holders, some in the lower bowl, some in other areas, that seem to not have any sympathy for their fellow season ticket holders who are having to deal with significant increases and potential strain on their financial situation because they're of the, the jump up in there. These are none of these things are tied together. If you have tickets in the lower bowl, you should want other people to be in the arena. And so you should believe in tickets being as cheap as possible. And if that means they're under market value, that's fine. But seeing you and others, and I've seen it a bunch, I'm, I'm unfortunately tagged in so many of these threads out there on Twitter right now, seeing people that say like, well, it was below price. So, you know, if you can't afford this, you shouldn't have season tickets in the first place. And one season ticket holder saying that to another, it's kind of a shitty attitude and I don't like seeing that. Just because you're paying like full value for something and someone else is getting a discount doesn't mean that it's unfair to you when there are different seats and different circumstances and all of that. So I dislike kind of that stuff that I've seen with it. I'm not here to tell people what's expensive and what isn't. It's a thing that's happening. Are there better ways to handle it? Yeah, probably but I don't think they've handled it poorly, to be honest, considering they're not just doing this as like a blanket raise across the entirety of the arena. That would be a bad look. It's really only targeted to specific areas. Now, you could complain because I've heard rumors of this. I don't have this in you know confirmation or anything that the beer garden is going away. I dislike that because I very much enjoy the beer garden before the game, but I wouldn't say every season ticket holder is in there and maybe the money saved on that is better put towards other things. All of this is to say it's maybe just kind of a wait and see thing. We don't know. We don't know how this is going to shake out. Is getting rid of the beer garden a big mistake or are they giving you more money elsewhere or concessions going to be cheaper for season ticket holders because of it? All of these things we don't know. So it's tough to kind of say either way yet. 
I, I, you know, I know people wanted me to come in strong on this one. I just don't feel that way. It just kind of is what it is. And people have to make personal decisions. And sometimes those personal decisions suck. And I feel sympathy for you. And normally I'm against kind of the big corporation on this sort of thing. When I see a contract dispute between like a player and ownership and a team, I tend to side on this, you know, uh, side of the player because like, yeah, that's kind of where I go. It's a big billion dollar organization. They're fine giving money to other people or paying players appropriately. Same thing. There's probably, it's probably fine for them to give benefits and keep season tickets cheap, but I also get why they're not. And if I were running the business, I'd be thinking that exact same way. So I see both sides of it and it's just kind of weird. And everyone has, as I've been saying, as I've been repeating myself now, just make a personal decision with it and how you want to be involved and how you want to follow the team. And if you don't and you're upset, that's totally okay. It doesn't make you any less of a fan, to be honest. Um, And I just hope that all season ticket holders out there have sympathy for other season ticket holders and just everyone in general too, because that's what it is. We're all supporting the same thing. We are all on the same team. We are all part of the same group. Some have to be cheap so that they can get in and have some of the similar experiences. You should want that, I think. So hopefully we start to kind of change that narrative that I'm seeing out there sooner rather than later. All right, so let's get on to happier things, Zion Williamson. And again, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only podcast here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down every topic you want to hear about this team, covering all the biggest things going on around them. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Leave a five-star review with a comment. That is a big deal. I swear to you all on that. Um, and tell a friend. Get them clued into Locked On Pelicans too. There's nothing worse than like your ignorant, unbasketball knowing friend trying to give you their hot take on things. It's dumb. They don't need that. Let's point them in the right direction towards Locked on Pelicans. Available wherever you get your podcast from. So Zion Williamson, we could easily rename the podcast to Locked on Zion at this point. Um, so we finally have gotten a taste of him. He's played 10 games in the NBA and he's kind of given us a baseline. Now, the sample size on that baseline has not been tremendous. He's only played 274 total minutes here in the NBA. And in that time, my God, has he been just freaking good. 22 points per game, seven and a half rebounds per game, 2.2 assists per game, 0.7 steals, 0.4 blocks, almost three fouls per game. He is shooting 57.6% from the field, 36% from three. Uh, And he's shooting uh, from the line, where is it, 65.4% on eight trips per game, which, by the way, is the most on the team by, like, basically three. So he, or sorry, by two. So he has been freakishly good when he's out there. He's the second leading scorer on the team in terms of points per game behind Brandon Ingram, who's at 25. Very, very good. And so he set the bar really high for himself during this baseline. I don't even know if it's an actual baseline, but you know what? We have kind of a delineation point in all of this with the all-star break here. So we've kind of gotten a taste of what he can do. He can score inside, and once he gets moving, he's very tough to stop. He's got a pretty strong post game, to be honest, and I've talked about the ceiling off of his man that he does and then the quickness he uses to get around him, and no one in the league is prepared to guard him with that. We've talked about the second jump and the offensive rebounding, too. That's been there. Um, he has on the season 
he's averaging 3.5 offensive rebounds per game compared to just four defensive rebounds per game. That's how you get to that seven and a half number. And where's where is his numbers for this? Um, Zion's got 35 offensive boards already in 10 games, which makes sense. We divide three and a half. I could figure those numbers out. It's really good. That is really, 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 really good. Um, and so it's awesome to kind of see how he is excelling with all of these things. But where does he need to improve? And what do you want to see from him as the season goes on? And there's a couple of areas that I think really kind of jump out at me when I watch him. And I've gone back and rewatched all 10 games in every minute that he's played so far to kind of get a feel maybe for where he needs to improve. And I've kind of identified it down to three, four things, mainly three. So the first is defensively is where he's got a lot of room to grow. And we know what he can do kind of in one-on-one matchups, and he can follow guys. But we, I, looking at him, I think his motor at times and the energy and effort he gives you isn't quite there. There's times when it looks like he just doesn't kind of want to play defense. Um, now, I, you know, in college, that was not the case. And I've never seen a dude that active before. Like, that's one of the best parts. His intangibles on some of these things are mind-blowing to me when I watched a lot of his college film in the lead-up to him being drafted. You're not seeing the same thing out here on the NBA court. I think part of that could be that he is still kind of playing his way into game shape, to be honest. He's not there yet. He's been this good, and he's not like all he can be even this season. So I think that is a big area for him to improve on. Just trying to do it. You're not seeing him kind of chase down some of those blocks and some of those other things that we would have expected to have seen from him so far this year. I wasn't expecting him to necessarily average a block per game, but .4 seems a little bit low. When he does get those blocks, man, they're a lot of fun. But I think, you know, you'd like a little bit more rim protection from him, though the defense has been significantly better with him out there on the court. So this may be nitpicking to a degree. He's been good. I wonder if the defense is kind of being anchored a little bit more, though, by Derek Favors. So defensively like that, the help defense and rotation defense certainly isn't there. I don't know. Again, this isn't so this also isn't a knock on him. He's played 10 games in the NBA. Like, how good should he be at this point? Right. He's doing all the things we thought he would do. He's been really good. This is us being like, man, he's been this good, and he's got so much more room to grow. And that should make you very, very excited for what he's capable of doing out there. But the defense hasn't been there. The one-on-one stuff has. Um, But at times, I think you'd like to see a little bit more. And with some more physical guys, I think he struggles defensively a little bit too. Which again, all of this is to be expected. But I'd like to see some improvement on this from now until the end of the season. I think that's fair to look for and fair to hope. I'm not expecting him to be a good defender by the end of the year. I'm not expecting him to make the right read and decision all the time. I just would like to see some growth in that department um, when it's going to finish with Zion having played like 37 games this season. Same goes for the defensive rebounding. The offensive boards are there. But at times, the Pelicans have gotten killed on the offensive glass, and you need this guy who's such a tremendous leaper, who's so good at timing his jump and has these instincts to go and hunt down those offensive rebounds too. Now, teams are trying to pull him out of the paint and trying to keep him away from there, so maybe it's not entirely his fault while he's not getting some of these boards and part of its scheme, 
but certainly you'd like him to kind of hunt for those a little bit more too. He's also been playing next to a guy like Derek Favors significant minutes of his, you know, 274 that he's been out there. So I think that's a big thing too. His other guys that can get the boards and go. And if he's deferring to Derek Favors, that's fine because that means he can start running in transition and be a menace that way. If all of a sudden it looks like he or Lonzo Ball are going to get the board, I'd rather have it go to Lonzo who can start the fast break that way too. But something to keep in mind, look at him and how he isn't quite in position to rebound or not timing the jump well there. Defensively, I think that's kind of a big thing. And then the final thing is um, his passing hasn't been bad. I've actually been kind of impressed with it. I'd like to see a few more reads from him and maybe at times a little bit more unselfish play. And maybe early on this team and the plan was always just to kind of get him in the ball and tell him to go and do his thing because, frankly, he is so good at scoring that they want to get him the ball and they also want him to kind of figure some things out. He's got a usage rate of 31%. That's higher than Brandon Ingram's 28.6%. Drew Holiday's 25.4%. And it's higher than what he had in college. And I think at times you're seeing him maybe kind of attack guys or try and score in positions when it would be better to pass out. And there's some open people that I don't know if he's missing them or if it's the game plan that is just saying, you go do your thing and we'll figure it out later. You just need to learn and play. Uh, But you're seeing him miss some of that. The 2.2 assists, I think, are pretty good. He had five against the Portland Trailblazers, showing you what he's capable of. And so, and this is going to tie into what I want to talk about in the next segment, maybe integrating him into the offense overall as more of a complementary player at times is what they need to do because there's something that seems rather important that we're going to touch on in the next segment that this team kind of really does need to figure out over the final 27 games of the regular season. So we're in the stretch run, which means there's a lot going on in the NBA. So no better time to start listening to the Locked On NBA podcast. You all know I co-host that on Wednesdays with John Corrales, who hosts the Locked On Celtics podcast. We have a lot of fun on there, and it's a great way to stay up to date with all of the biggest stories around the league, particularly as we're now in the stretch run, heading to the playoffs, and storylines start to get very, very important. Wherever you get your podcasts from, subscribe to Locked On NBA. So I just talked about how maybe Zion's trying to force things just a little too much. And it might be by design for the game plan. So I don't know, if again, whether this is a knock on him or not. But we've seen at times, and overall the numbers have looked very good, to be honest, that Zion and Brandon Ingram have at, at times, especially in the beginning, struggled to coexist a little bit. The numbers overall and like the advanced metrics when you look at net rating, they're all good. So it's not like they're bad when they're out there on the court together. But you've seen Ingram kind of relegated to being more of a spot-up shooter from three-point range than being sort of like the killer basketball score that we've seen so far. I don't think he's been bad in those minutes, but these are your two main guys who are your core going forward. So you need them to kind of coexist and figure out the right balance between the two of them. And maybe it's as simple as kind of doing what the Pels used to do with Boogie and Anthony Davis, where one needs to be on the court at all times, which is probably a very good idea just in the first place. But it also means you kind of maximize their minutes separately and then maximize them together without things kind of getting mucked up and guys can kind of be the solo guy and the main guy at times. I kind of like this idea. I think this is probably what you'll see the Pelicans do, but it's important to kind of get the find the right rhythm between these two over these final 27 games. They're your two core guys. You're about to commit max money to Brandon Ingram. 
you need to make sure he works with Zion Williamson, who is your at his at, at the end of the day the most core foundational piece that you have. I think they can. The early returns I think have been good, and frankly, they've only played eight games together out of Zion's ten. So it takes a little bit more than that to kind of just figure it all out. So more than that, I'd like to see this team just like play these guys together and really work on this. And if we can end the season with Ingram being able to do what he does while still having Zion in the mix, oh hell yeah, sign me up. Um, you raised my tickets a thousand percent. No, not that much. And I would be excited for next season because that is going to be a really fun and a very, very scary team, but just see an improvement game by game, week by week, three game, five game stretches, whatever you want to use to evaluate it. Seeing things improve on that end, I think would make me feel really good going into this off season and next year. And I think it's all a very realistic and reasonable thing to expect from this team. So all of the things I've said here, Zion improving just little bits. No one's asking him for to really excel in any of these areas, but show that you're working towards that and you're putting things together um, through coaching and all of that. And let's see these two guys coexist a little bit better. Not much. I don't hate what I'm seeing. I also think for all of this stuff, it does take some time. So by the end of the season, following David Griffin's, you know, kind of expectations that he set, we want to see them be significantly better than the start. Well, the season kind of started 10 games ago when Zion came back on January 22nd. So let's see how they fare from January 22nd to the end of the year. And if we can see marked improvement at the end, I'm going to feel really good. And that's kind of how I'm setting my expectations for the stretch run. Playoffs would be nice. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs at this point, um, but they certainly would be nice. And you know what? I'm happy to have some meaningful games down the stretch, particularly with the Pelicans having an easy schedule that, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun as we really get to it. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow.